Hey there, welcome to Your Basket is Empty, a space where I sit down with interesting people in DTC, e-com and tech. I'm your host, Tim. So this is series three of 2021 and I'm returning to the agency world. Over the month of August, my guests and I will explore what it's like to grow and navigate a business through the complexities and challenges of an evolving digital landscape. On this episode, I chat with Peter Kang, co-founder of Barrel. Barrel are an independent creative and digital agency that focus on direct consumer brands. We discuss the challenges of side projects, being deliberate, transitioning life stages at the same time as your co-founder, investing in your clients, creating team experience frameworks, documenting your own agency, and why John Starks is the greatest NBA player of all time. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Peter, welcome to the podcast. How are you and where are you? Well, thanks for having me, Tim. Um, I'm based in Brooklyn, New York. Nice. And um, so my sister just left New York. She's decided to, um, she's done quite a lot of the states, but she's trying to do all states before she leaves in a couple of months. So she was kind of giving me the lowdown of what's going on there. But what, yeah, how is it at the moment (laughs) in, what are we, sort of August 2021? What's the kind of state of play? How are things, you know, with the pandemic and everything? Uh, Yeah. I think, you know, New York, uh, it opened up, you know, pretty well. Um, and, you know, I think just even yesterday was it, uh, I think the mayor um, was going to delay kind of uh, mandating masks uh, to be worn. Um, so I know there's the whole Delta variant and, you know, there's some concerns as well of what the fall is going to be like. But uh, at, at the moment, you know, I, I was just outside getting coffee and yeah, nice. people are just out and about mingling and, you know, some are wearing masks, some aren't. And, actually most aren't. And, uh, yeah, it just seems like, you know, at least in my neighborhood, things are, you know, still kind of, you know, feeling like normal, normalcy is the back. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever that means these days. Right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I usually like to start by looking backwards. Um, and I would love to learn how, uh, a stint at Lehman brothers led to the creation of barrel. Can you talk me through that? Yeah, sure. So, I think the idea to start Barrel uh, or some kind of company came actually way before uh, Lehman Brothers. Um, and you know, just to tell this whole story, you know, it's kind of have to go back to uh, my college days. Uh, so, you know, I went to um, I went to college at uh, at Columbia University here in New York, um, and you know, it was there I met my co-founder Sewuk, um, and the two of us, you know, really hit it off, uh, and both of us had an interest in. You know, things like website design, um, coding, uh, as well as branding. And so, you know, we we ended up kind of working and collaborating on a lot of different projects. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a couple of years older than Seewook. So I graduated first. Uh, but, um, you know, so as a result, I took a, a job at Lehman Brothers because you know, that's, you know, somebody who went to an Ivy League school back in the day. That's what you did. You <laughs> went to work in uh, investment banking or consulting, yep. one of those yep. things. And so, yep. Uh, I took the path and you know, Lehman was a great experience, but uh, 
you know, I, I knew it wasn't something I wanted to do long term. So it, it was a good way to just, you know, get exposed to a kind of really competitive and uh, high paced uh, environment, learn a lot of things. Um, and then all the while on the weekends, uh, Sewuk and I would still meet up and we'd still work on websites together, uh, had a bunch of freelance projects that we'd be working on. Um, and so, you know, on top of these, you know, kind of 70, 80, sometimes even 90 hour weeks uh, of working in at Lehman, we would, you know, I would still want to meet up and then, you know, use our weekend time to, to kind of further our website design skills. Um, and, you know, it was just that kind of commitment to working together on the weekends in our free time really made us more confident that we can start our own company when the time came. And that, so that weekend work was, were you guys getting like paid for that or was that kind of like, you know, pro bono type stuff to build up the portfolio? A combination, like uh, everything in between. So we did, uh, so we had some paid gigs, uh, you know, with small businesses, um, some nonprofits and then others we yeah totally do pro bono because we were like, Hey, we need some stuff for our uh, portfolio. So, you know, it might be school clubs, it might be artists, uh, and, yeah, definitely some nonprofits as well. Uh, so anybody who you know wanted something, we were game to do. Uh, and, and just the the joy of like building stuff and making things and launching it uh, that kept us going. And I'm curious, like, was there a key moment when you were like, okay, <laughs> we're going to do this full time and and you know kind of quit Lehman Brothers, or was it a little bit more? Uh, sort of longer term transitional or was there like a you know a weekend where you were like all right this is the weekend i'm, I'm doing it <laughs> well so i think with investment banking you know i knew that at the end of the first year you know you you typically get a big bonus um and you know and even like halfway through i was like okay I'm, i don't think i'll last more than a year at this job um not because i absolutely hate it or anything but because i'm like this is you know this doesn't energize me the same way yeah. that you know the 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 other work, the work outside of Lehman did. And so I, I gave myself a timeline of, hey, to make it through until the bonus hits. And then, you know, once I could see it in my bank account, I'm going to walk into my boss's office and just give notice. And actually, if, if possible, just try to quit that day. Um, and that's exactly what happened. You know, when the, the time rolled around and I was able to make that work. Um, and so it was, it was really, um, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, it worked out beautifully. And, and, just leading up the months leading up to that moment, uh, just we had Seawick and I had set the groundwork. You know, we incorporated the company, uh, started to work on you know different marketing materials, and really you know made up our minds. And so you know we we were like, hey, we're young, let's give this a chance. Uh, you know, even if it's a year or two, and then you know if it doesn't work out, we could always you know get jobs afterwards. So you know that's the mindset we went into it with. Yeah, nice. I, I'm really curious about that kind of like early period. So you kind of, you handed in the notice and you had yourself like maybe a sort of whatever, a couple of year plan. And it was like, look, we're going to give this a go. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like talk me through that period. So <laughs> kind of handed in the notice and then you guys went for it. Like over that first, say, I don't know, two to five year period, did things kind of go to plan? Did you have to pivot at all? You know, talk me through that early period. Yeah, sure. Um the first few years, it was it was definitely uh, really about um, feeling our way through because part of us, you know, we knew that hey, we can always make money making websites, designing stuff for other people. Um, at the same time, you know, we we 
we were big fans of uh, you know 37 signals the and, and those guys you know ended up becoming base camp uh, and and you know we used to follow them pretty religiously uh, and you know there was this always this dream of like hey maybe we can create our own product or yep. you know launch something and so you know we ended up kind of carving out some time always to explore different ideas uh, for different products and, and you know that took it the shape of like uh, e-commerce site selling t-shirts or you know we even worked on like a uh, a food blogger social network that, you know, this is all pre mobile phone smartphones. And so uh, just, you know, trying to figure things, just playing around with different concepts. Uh, but you know, we always came down to, Hey, like the, the thing that we're good at is making websites and doing branding and client work uh, mm-hmm. for brands. Um, and, you know, that's what kept paying the bills. And so uh, we, you know, it, it, it was a bit of a struggle. I think in terms of like, it slowed us down a bit because, you know, we, we kind of always thought, had our eye on, you know, trying to do something else. Um, and then at the same time, you know, like the barrel work would always pull us back because that's what we needed to, to make rent and such. Um, so I'd say it, the first few years were very, um, you know, it was fun. It was stressful. Uh, there's a lot of creativity. The energy was, you know, just really high and, and it was chaotic. And, you know, I think we, we just weren't deliberate about the business and we almost were like, Hey, Let's just pursue the things that excite us at the time, and so it wasn't a great way to build a business. Uh, but uh, as as you know, a couple of young guys that you know were curious about a lot of things, it was a great way to just learn about things. You know, we we really you know ended up, I think, um, you know, building some great proficiencies in things like uh, you know UX and you know just client service and things like that. So we, I think, I don't regret it. It's more like uh, you know it. Just in hindsight, it's like, oh, like, you know, just there's, there's, there's some, you know, that earnestness and that kind of, you know, na- uh, naivete was uh, <laughs> fueled a lot of like uh, growth at the same time, you know, we just you know, put a lot, left a lot of money on the table, probably just from not being deliberate with business building. Totally. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a very convenient concept, hindsight, right? <laughs> very convenient <laughs> exactly. in the future. Um, but like, so, and we'll get to kind of uh, some other key inflection points in a bit, but I wonder, like, at, at what point um, did you kind of become more de- deliberate? Did that take a few years? Did it take a few iterations? Um, you know, to, I suppose when I say deliberate in terms of your current I suppose, uh, barrel incarnation, you know, where, where you guys are really in that web design marketing space. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think I, I, if I, if I really, if I'm really honest with uh, myself, I, I'd say it probably took 10 years to get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, I mean, we're 15 years into this, uh, business and, and so it's basically like, Hey, only about five years ago, Be- a big part of that was, I think, we were still distracted and ultimately not hundred percent focused on the agency side of the business. Um, even though, you know, we, uh, you know, by the time, even five years ago, you know, we had you know 30 plus people and we were doing a lot of work for cool brands. It, you know, it was, I don't think my dedication to kind of learning as much as I could about the, you know, the agency model of business, the, you know, the professional services side of it um, and, and really embracing everything I could about, you know, growing our client side of the business, uh, it just didn't take until, you know, about five years ago. So I think that's, uh, and what really happened there was, you know, I, I think we, we, we'd gone through a, um, a few tough years of, uh, just, you know, revenues were kind of stagnant, um, and, you know, profit, uh, margins weren't great. And so, you know, we were struggling as a business, um, and, 
you know, just, it felt like we we're just kind of continuing to hit the wall uh, on, on a lot of fronts. Um, and it, it, instead of trying to blame external forces or, you know, just kind of the market or whatever, uh, you know, I think ultimately we pointed the finger inward and we were like, Hey, what is it about how we are you know, going about the business that we can do better? Um, what are the things that we can change about how we're, you know, leading this company that can make the difference. And I think once we start asking those questions, it really you know, uh, allowed us to make some of the tougher decisions, uh, whether it was like shutting down some of these distracting side projects uh, or uh, just making the call to be more focused with the type of uh, clients we're pursuing, the type of services we offer, et cetera. I'd love to explore that that piece there in a second. I want to get back to something you just you just mentioned and talking about kind of your team. So it was just the two of you guys obviously at the start talk, talk me through how that's kind of evolved in terms of team like where are you at like 2006 in terms of team how have you gone about getting people on board and like where are you guys at now in terms of numbers yeah sure um i'd say the yeah the first few years was just the two of us um Seawuk and myself uh, and then we'd have like friends who would come in and out freelancing on various projects uh so that was always fun we had like a nice collective of uh, friends that we can rely on to help on projects. Um, and then I'd say uh, a few years in, you know, we were able to uh, hire our first set of interns who then became, you know, junior designers and, um, you know, and, and then, you know, the thing that um, we didn't really crack uh, the code on was kind of how to hire um, in a sustainable and like a more structured way. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, even, you know, about five years or I say five to eight years in, <laughs> we had a lot of people, but you know, they were all like junior level folks. Like there, everyone was young, like mid twenties um, and like you know, early, early to mid twenties. And uh, you know, it was just like, it was fun and it was cool. But like, I think there's a lot of inexperience. There's a lot mm. of, uh, you know, just trying to find our way. And, and, you know, part of that, we just, I don't think we appreciated that. Like, Hey, you need folks with experience. You need kind of the management structures to give people guidance of their careers. Those things, those concepts were kind of foreign to us at the time. So uh, we, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was more of a very kind of, yeah, like a fun clubhouse environment. But um, I, I think that held us back a bit too, in terms of just, you know, being deliberate about the business. Um, but uh, over the past five years, we've, yeah, we've really, built out the structure, uh, top to bottom. Um, we have, you know, way more, um, kind of planned out, uh, career paths for everybody. Uh, we have different departments, uh, that have, you know, uh, managers with direct reports. Uh, we have a very, you know, very, I'd say, you know, I, I like our work structure. It's, it's, it's very pretty. And, you know, we've put a lot of work into that. And, and, and so we're able to identify now, like, Hey, if we're going to start a new, um, you know, services offering, who's going to own it and who's yep. going to, you know, support that person and all of those things. And, and, uh, that, that's just helped tremendously. And so, yeah, I'd say we're a lot top heavy and in many ways, you know, just in terms of headcount, you know, I say we were about in the thirties, uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago, uh, we're right now, I'd say we're uh, trending in the, like almost 40 or so kind of full-time folks. Um, but it's, you know, drastically different composition. So it's, it's a lot, lot more senior folks, a lot more, um, management, um, uh, level folks. And, and yeah, it's, it's a very, uh, different, um, kind of company than it was. Uh, and then, and then we leverage a lot more freelancers and contractors, uh, beyond that too. So I'd say, you know, in many ways, like 
the 30 or so folks that we had, uh, that was kind of the extent of the, the uh, kind of the work um, capacity um, at the time. But now I think, you know, we have our 40 or so full-time folks. And then on top of that, we probably have about, you know, 30 or 40 other contractors that are supporting the work as well. So it, it, it's a much uh, more potent and, you know, uh, expansive uh, team than we had uh, in the past. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I assume you've worn a lot of hats over those last 15 years. <laughs> so talk me through that and what, what has been the, the more enjoyable hats to wear and what have been kind of the hats that have been more challenging? Yeah, I'll start with the challenging ones. Um, and I think it's, you know, in many ways, um, the, the stuff that uh, is core to the business, you know, so being a designer, doing sales, doing project management. Now, I don't think I was ever great at any of them, but I was just good enough to get by. Um, and Part of wearing many hats, you know, you have to multitask and just take a lot of shortcuts to just get everything done. Um, and so I wasn't uh, a, a process-oriented person, just kind of um, winged a lot of things. And, and so I was very happy to de-hat myself of these things. And now we have talented and skilled people running these areas. Uh, the one area that I still enjoy um, and, you know, found enjoyable all throughout has been the, the part that's... Uh, you know that has to do with marketing barrel itself as a mm-hmm. as a company and getting the name out there and you know, just help uh, helping to shape you know the brand of barrel itself uh, and so yeah that that I think I don't think I'll ever get tired of because you know it's it's ever changing you know you just always have to kind of understand um, you know who our audience is uh, shape shape the uh, way we're positioning ourselves and you know really um, kind of pay attention to some of the details that uh, you know make the sum of the parts of our brand. You you mentioned his name a couple of times, but Sewuk. Um, I'd love to understand like how, how has your like relationship and roles evolved over time? What, what was it pre-planned? You know, have they shifted? How have you guys gone about it? You know, heading up the company. Yeah, you know, I think the the biggest piece of our relationship is that you know we're very um, complementary personalities, and I think we we instinctively understood that when we met each other and, and over time you know, that's become even more pronounced and we've you know had good discussions around it and we've always tried to find ways where we can leverage our our respective strengths to do something together uh, and i think uh, the the main thing uh, this happened in you know, a fairly early in uh, barrel's uh, history where you know there's just you know you're bound to kind of have some friction because uh, and, and I think mostly it was my fault because, you know, I was just always kind of a little bit more intense and impatient and I'd probably get on Sewuk's nerves and stuff. But uh, <laughs> so we, you know, we had a few kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, I won't say blow ups, but just, you know, just uh, moments yeah, of conflict. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you got to lay it all out on the table. Yeah, I get lay it. it all yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think those early kind of um, skirmishes were, were instructed because it allowed us to, you know, at least, uh, openly talk about kind of having a, uh, a North star uh, for ourselves, the two of us of believing that, you know, the, the two of us, you know, if we really um, believe in this North star of, of building uh, something special together and, you know, it's like, Hey, we, we both want the same thing. Uh, and we, we understand that, you know, growing a business is a privilege and, you know, we want to be people who care about, uh, you know, those who we work with, uh, you know, whether it's the employees or the clients and, you know, just, we, we kind of ha- aligned on kind of the values and, and, and the, the purpose of why, you know, we, you know, want to work with each other. Um, and so that was, that's been a great kind of foundation to everything. And, and over time, you know, just 
we've just kind of seen each other uh, transition from being, you know, kids to adults. You know, we went from being, you know, kids in college, literally to, um, you know, just in our 20s. And now, you know, saw each other both get married and, you know, start our respective uh, families uh, with kids. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and just throughout that time, you see how, you know, uh, each other change. And at the same time, you know, we've just logged so many hours together uh, and, you know, just uh, we continue to kind of, I think, become more honest and vulnerable with each other as well. And so, yeah, it's, I, I say it's probably, you know, one of the most valuable things about having started this business is my relationship with Sewuk and, you know, just that, you know, I think the, the business in many ways is an expression of the relationship and, you know, the fact that there's, you know, it just feels like we're, we're just scratching the surface because I think we're, we're hitting our stride and how to work with each other. Um, and, you know, mo- most recently, just, you know, we, we didn't really kind of um, distinguish, you know, we were always kind of co-founders and we had like, you know, kind of random titles, but most recently uh, in, in the past uh, six months, you know, we, we made that transition to like some clear titles. Um, and, you know, I, I took the title of CEO, he took the title of COO and president. Um, and really, you know, I think in the past, we might've had some challenges in like kind of designating titles in that way, um, just cause, you know, we want to kind of seem like, you know, um, we were just co-founders and just kind of yeah, in yeah, a yeah. partner way. But uh, I think, you know, really speaks to kind of how our relationship has matured because, you know, we understand like, hey, like it's beneficial to have a CEO designation because I can play that role. I've, uh, you know, I, I feel like grown into it and can add value, you know, kind of thinking about the long-term strategy of Barrel, you know, kind of representing the brand and all those things. And then for Sewuk, like he's, you know, incredibly talented on the business operations side and, you know, just making sure the finances are good and like the, you know, all the people ops uh, pieces are in place. So like for him to own the COO role was also really clarifying uh, for each of us and, and for the team as well. So that, that's that been a great uh, kind of next evolution in, in our relationship. And you know, I think it just gives more clarity for all new projects that we've taken on together as well. So, uh, for, for those that don't know, you've got a really, really good like personal brand and website that, from my perspective. I think it's really good. So j- just to give you a little bit of insight, there, there's two newsletters that I really, really enjoy. One of which is The Morning Brew and the second of which is your newsletter. <laughs> and <laughs> I, th- I would encourage anyone to go and check out. It's peterkang.com, right? That, that's yep, the yep. website. Yeah. And and uh, I can't remember how I got onto it. I mean, I've known of you guys for a while, but... I think it was just through LinkedIn. I, I found out about it when we connected or whatever. And I, I, I've, I've really been sort of like deep diving on all the literature you've been putting out. And the, the, the fifth discipline, the book, is definitely a key observation I've got that you have, is very influential to you. And I would love to understand like wh- why, why is that, uh, th- 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 that, that text so influential and kind of how have you been applying it at, at Barrel? Yeah. Um, so the fifth discipline by Peter Senge um, is – you know, it's one of those books that, you know, it's, it's a bit dense, but once I was able to get through it and then, you know, kind of revisit it over time, uh, it's like things start to click and, and, you know, the, the core, uh, I mean, there, there's several uh, amazing kind of lessons in there, but, um, you know, some of the, the core aspects of it are, you know, this thinking about a company as a learning organization, um, and, you know, this idea of systems thinking. So, you know, it's not about, treating, you know, the symptoms and just kind of the being reactive to problems, but the ability to take a step back and understand all the different forces at play and, 
you know, what are kind of the high leverage areas that you can really pinpoint and try to address so that the, the system, you know, works uh, better. Uh, and I think uh, the concepts in here have been so instrumental because I think, um, you know, at the time I read this, I think I was banging my head about like some of the problems of, you know, uh, just, you know, the, our, our business not, you know, thriving as I thought it would, or like, you know, kind of how do you keep clients happy or how do you keep employees motivated? And I think, mm. you know, just, just thinking about those challenges, you know, the, uh, I, I realized, you know, a lot of my methods to try to address these things were just trying to continue to play a game of whack-a-mole and just trying to react to, you know, things as they came about. Uh, but as I kind of really um, internalized the, the, the lessons of this book, it, it just a lot of things became, um, you know, more apparent to me. And, and, you know, there's a few lessons in there. I think, you know, one of them is like uh, this idea of like the harder you push, the harder the system pushes you back. And so it's like, you know, I, I, I can think about so many instances where it's like, hey, if we just work harder, if you just kind of, you know, put more hours in, you know, you think you could address it, but, you know, the, the opposite actually is true. And so just understanding the dynamics that play there, um, you know, also you know, this concept of faster is slower. Um, and so, you know, just thinking about, hey, sometimes you have to actually slow down and really kind of understand, let things play out in order to gain speed. Um, and, you know, just that was, you know, it's, it's so simple. And, you know, I'm sure I've heard it many other times before, but in this context and just with all the lessons uh, wrapped together, it just hit me really hard because I'm like, hey, I've been operating at this pace of like, hey, impatience and just, you know, fix, 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 fix. And then instead, this idea of going slower is actually, you know, so much more, um, you know, it gives you so much more of an opportunity to see things clearly and make the right decisions. Um, and then I love uh, this idea of the enemy is out there. Uh, and so I think you know, just in the course of, you know, just wading through problems, it's so easy to blame external forces or, or others besides myself, just being mm -hmm. like, hey, it's because, you know, we hired wrong and this person's not pulling their weight that we're in this trouble or, oh, it's because the client doesn't understand and is problematic. And that's why we're suffering on this project. And it's like, there's no, in many ways, there's nothing to be gained uh, with those uh, kinds of, you know, finger pointing. And so this idea of like, you know, actually um, what is it that we're impacting or what are the things that we're doing to perpetuate some of these challenges and how can we control what we can? Um, that, that was, that was really enlightening for me. So taking all together, all these things just kind of stacked up and, you know, just made fifth discipline, such a rich text that, you know, I continue to go back to and just mine for different lessons. And, and how did you kind of, I suppose, introduce this to the, to the rest of the team? Like, did you do it like piecemeal or did you kind of come, you know, digest the text and come up with a bit of a plan or yeah. Talk, talk, talk me through that. Sure. So I think the first um, way was with my partners. So, you know, Sewook and then uh, I have two other partners, uh, Lucas and Wes. Um, and, you know, they, the four of us, um, we, we read the text and, you know, we continue to kind of highlight lessons from it from time to time. Um, but the, the beauty of this is, you know, the, these lessons, they're not, you know, just local to these books, uh, to this book. Um, they, they pop up elsewhere. And so, you know, once we, Kind of know, uh, like understood these um, concepts uh, as they popped up in you know other books we read or just in in the course of doing business. 
we're able to just highlight it and talk about it and you know really be like hey remember that thing that we read in the fifth discipline yeah i think this is the situation yeah uh, that they're talking about so it, it, it's more of the applied um learning in that sense um yep. and then and then with the team <laughs> you know i've bought copies for many people it's, <laughs> it's a dense it's a dense book though so i, I you know I, I don't think many folks you know have been able to completely make it through it. Um, it it just takes a bit of effort so i totally understand that um so in many ways it's been uh, we try to um filter a lot of these through just the way we um set priorities and and um address challenges as well so you know when whenever there's like a kind of let's say a a very bright hot red problem that pops up um i think as as management we just uh we try to take the lessons to heart and be like okay let's not get overly reactive let's not you know i mean there's this whole concept of illusion of taking charge um let's not try to jump in and try to take mm-hmm. charge and you know control mm-hmm. the situation let's see you know let's try to understand how it got to this you know point of crisis or whatever and then and then try to deconstruct it and and take a very kind of methodical way of understanding um how we can avoid this later on and and that's brought a measure of calm and you know it's it's it definitely has changed the the way that we um you know manage and just uh, lead the team as well so uh, another um sort of big piece to your to your site is uh your agency journal blog series um which i believe you started in september of last year and i'm curious as to like what prompted you to begin the series uh, only last year after after such a long time and and maybe give me and i suppose listeners a little bit of insight into what the series is about sure um so Agency Journey um, is a monthly blog post series that I started. Um, so I'm coming up on yeah episode uh, 12 <laughs> in uh, this uh, August. So yeah, it'll be 12 months. Um, and uh, the series has three components. So it, there's there's a section for highlights uh, where I'm curating things and happenings that made the month uh, the past month memorable for me. Um, you know, things that our team might have achieved or uh, launched or things like that. And then there's a uh, top of mind section, which is uh, reflections on initiatives, challenges, or different concepts that I've been grappling with. Um, and then there's a section called shared with partners. And so, you know, the partners, uh, the four of us have a group message and every um, every other day or so, I'll share a quote from a book I've, I've read um, that might be relevant to things we're working on, or mm-hmm. even just kind of a, hey, like this is an energizing quote, like it's motivation. So just to, just to share that with uh, the others, um, it's uh, just I, I've made that a habit, and and so what I'll do is I'll go back for the past month and then just collect all the things I've shared and pick my favorite ones and then uh, just share that on on the blog post. Uh, so that's the that's the structure. So the reason I, I started doing agency journey is um, really wa- I wanted this uh, this kind of space and time to reflect on the business um, mm-hmm. because I, I always um, I find myself always. Uh, you know, commenting, oh my God, like things are moving so fast. Where did the time go? Um, you know, just, uh, that was a blur. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I, it's the same complaint about time over and over again. Let's, you know, what if I gave myself, um, you know, uh, uh, space to slow down and, you know, really reflect on things and then uh, just, you know, memorialize it in, in many ways uh, as, a, as, a, as a blog post. And so the writing has been great. It's helped me clarify um, you know, just a lot of the ideas in my mind, uh, and also just putting it out there uh, for an audience. It's given me 
some accountability of you know making it a sticky habit, doing it yep. monthly, and not missing yep. out. Um, and at the same time, gotten great feedback, and just you know uh, have. I've uh, heard from folks that, you know, are help uh, who've helped me to address some of the things that I've been grappling with because I share them uh, or just, you know, just the lessons that I've learned have maybe helped some uh, other folks make better decisions. And that, that's always a gratifying experience. Uh, and I'm keen to just like touch on the, like the mechanics of it all. Cause I think that kind of like reflective cathartic nature is certainly an observation I've got from the literature. Like, how do you actually do it? Do you wait to the end of the month and kind of collect your notes and then, and kind of like go at it on a morning or whatever, or do you kind of work on it throughout the month and then sort of, I don't know, edit it. And then you kind of put the final thing out towards the end. How does that work? Right. Uh, so I have a, I always have a, a file, um, so you know, like a notion post uh, going um, for for the new month, and then throughout the month, I'll write things that happen that I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll want to revisit this um, if it's you know something along the uh, lines of concepts or ideas. Um, but really, it's like, okay, like you know, we this was a big milestone for a company, so I'll write that down, and then you know, uh, I'll I'll be sure to note different things. And so, yeah, it is it is a bit of um, on a uh, you know daily basis, just kind of thinking about, uh, Hey, what are things that I could, you know, that could make its way to the blog post. Um, and then, uh, it's usually the third Saturday or so of the week uh, of the month. I'll, I'll sit down for a couple hours and just outline things. Um, mm-hmm. and then, and then spend a, a big chunk of the, the next, the Sunday or even the Monday morning, just writing it all. Um, so it, I got into a nice groove of it. It, it usually just you know, it doesn't take me more than a few hours to really uh, get a piece together. Uh, but it's because I have a structure in place. And then I've, uh, I've kind of done the groundwork of thinking about, you know, really what I really want to cover. And really, like, the, the a big part of it is editing, because I don't, you know, there's still like, maybe 50% or so that don't make it into the mm-hmm. post, just because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, this is interesting to me, kind of, but, you know, at this, at a certain point, I don't know if the audience really cares. And, <laughs> and so there's a little bit of that, that I got to do. Cause, and then, and so I've, I've, I've tried to keep it you know, uh, a bit tight, uh, not only uh, just for the audience, but also it allows me to you know make sure, you know, I don't go too crazy into like unnecessary details. Well, I highly encourage everyone to go and check it out. One thing that jumped out at me um, when I was reading uh, well, I, I read it monthly, but I kind of went back, you know, when we were going to have this chat and sort of like pulled out some interesting bits um, was you guys introduced the barrel team experience, which I've never seen before. <laughs> I've seen client experience kind of models and frameworks, but I'd never seen like an internal sort of team experience framework. So I'd love to know kind of how it came about and, and, and where's it at? Sure. Uh, I, I think one of the, um, catalyst for this uh, was when we transitioned to a permanent remote first approach as a company last March uh, in light of the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, as we thought about the, uh, you know, the new kind of employee experience in the sense of, um, Hey, like when we hire folks, uh, they might never, you know, have an office uh, type experience with us. You know, maybe we'll get together a few times a year, but you know, we, they're going to be, you know, working from home uh, most of the time. Um, so, uh, how, you know, in light of that, how do we ensure that you know there's still an even experience across the whole team? Um, and then, and that led us down the path of, hey, actually, just take a step back. You know, what is the what is the kind of ideal experience for our uh, our team members, and how? You know what are the different components uh, that make up the experience, and so we asked ourselves that, and 
Um, I love diagrams, diagramming stuff. Uh, and <laughs> I this, picked uh, that up from the, uh, the blog part, <laughs> the, the series, definitely. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, you know, the part of that is I think people um, in general just, you know, digest um, kind of diagrams or, you know, pictures, uh, uh, you know, more, uh, they can digest a lot more of it uh, quickly than if it was a block of text. And so I, I made a point, especially with my partners, like, Hey, if you're going to communicate something, just try to make it as visual. As yeah, possible. totally. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And, and so with this, we were like, okay, it's, you know, this framework that we're, um, you know, titling the barrel team experience framework, um, you know, what, what goes into it. And so, you know, we talked about, well, part of it, a big part of the um, experience is, you know, how team members interface with the work. You know, are they being assigned to the types of projects that excite them? Or, you know, do we have their career uh, development path in mind when we're putting them on a project? And, and how do we ensure that's happening? The other part is, you know, are they getting the, type, uh, the right type of coaching and feedback and professional development? Uh, and are we, you know, equipping our managers to be able to do that? So, uh, so that was very enlightening and kind of uh, surface gaps that we needed to address. Um, and then also are we mindful of, uh, you know, things like mental health and, you know, uh, diversity, inclusion, equity, mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, so many different things that, uh, you know, prior to kind of putting it into a, uh, a framework were you know, just you know, a lot of great concepts and ideas that kind of floating in different ways. Uh, we were able to make it tighter with a, uh, with this diagram and, and this framework. And so we reference it whenever, you know, we need to think about, Hey, where are we doing really well and where do we need to improve? Um, and then, uh, just beyond that, even we even look at the framework itself, like, Hey, are, are there, are there aspects of this that we need to question as well? Because you know, things have changed or we've learned more and we want to level up. And so it's, it's been a good starting point. I think, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done, uh, but, uh, it, it just, the, the act of documenting it and having something to be aligned on with, uh, different members of the team has been, has been a really good step. Um, I'm keen to switch gears just ever so slightly. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about um, Barrel Venture Partners and what you guys are up to there? Yeah, sure. Uh, so this is this is an investment vehicle for uh, the Barrel Partners. So you know, it was initially a place to park um, some equity that we gained for doing uh, work for startups. Um, mm -hmm. So you know the work for equity uh, kind of deals. Um, so we have some of those, uh, but uh, over time, it just kind of evolved to us, um, the partners, just putting in our um, our own uh, funds, and then us, uh, and then doing kind of uh, investments uh, uh, in different early stage opportunities. Um, and then uh, more recently, we've kind of transitioned to doing um, uh, be becoming uh, limited partners in other funds that are doing um, you know venture investing on our behalf. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it. it, it you know, I think there's like a big mystery, like even, even some years ago, I, you know, I'd never done angel investing or, you know, any kind of these private investments. I always uh, only kind of hung out around the, uh, the public market uh, yeah, stocks, yeah. but uh, there was a burning desire to, to be exposed to this and just understand the, you know, what, what is the safe and, you know, how, how do you think about equity and how do mm -hmm. you, uh, you know, I want to look at a, uh, a pitch deck and just know what to look at or just understand what, 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 what makes sense and what doesn't. Um, and so, uh, it was for that learning, we jumped head in, head, uh, into it. And then just over time, it's been a great education, learned a ton, um, and, you know, understood that you know, a ton of work goes into this. Uh, it's not, you know, something you just do on a whim. And then, you know, 
uh, more importantly, like relationships really matter and, and, and mm-hmm. people uh, knowing the right folks can, you know, open doors to interesting opportunities. And, and so, yeah, it, it's been a great um, experiment that's now become a serious thing. You know, we've done over uh, 15 investments at this point. Um, and yeah, some have done really well and, you know, uh, others are, you know, just going through, um, you know, uh, just interesting kind of uh, paths and uh, yeah, it, it's been a great uh, learning experience. And do you, like, when, when you guys are thinking about it, is, is it, what, what do you consider if you were going to sort of invest in a company? And uh, from what I understand, it, it's, it's predominantly DTC brands, right? Or have you got some product stuff in there as well? Oh, yeah. So we, we have a few um, brands, uh, but we've shifted focus. We, we like more um, uh, the enablers of brands. And so, you know, there might be the technology companies yep. um, or uh, just, you know, even kind of service companies that uh, are helping uh, brands uh, do, do uh, uh, things in e-commerce or, you know, just uh, it, actually we've even gone broader. So, I'll, I'll preface it by saying like, I've tried my hand at, you know, kind of sitting through these um, pitches from founders and, you know, trying to ask good questions, uh, trying to get at like developing a, a thesis on, Hey, like, you know, can I see them succeeding? Can I see them, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. You know uh, kind of with a successful exit and, you know, while it was fun, I don't think it was the best use of my time in terms of uh, where, you know, my, my circle of competence goes and, you know, there are folks that are way more talented and just kind of have seen the patterns uh, better than me. So uh, that's why we've shifted to, you know, instead of trying to invest directly in a lot of these brands, um, we've relied on you know, uh, putting money into a VC fund and then letting the VC go and, and do that work uh, and yep. then just being exposed to it that way. Um, I will say the only um, situations where we'll do the direct investment is if we have a, you know, real um strong prior relationship with that person so uh, you know for example you know one of my best friends is uh gonna launch uh you know a startup business um and you know like i've just known him a long time he's just exceptional person and you know just uh and you know gonna have the opportunity to be able to invest early in his company yeah, so yeah. you know for things like that it's like it's a no-brainer and you know I, I, it's investing in the person more than anything um so uh, excited for those opportunities to do it directly but otherwise you know gonna leave the rest of it to the professionals so you strike me as someone who likes to be busy. <laughs> so I'd like to understand how do you find balance and whether that is actually a thing or there is no such thing as balance in your, uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Prof G talked about like there's just compromises or whatever. How do you look at it? Right. I think, um, so, you know, when I think about my own, um, you know, uses of time, I, you know, I, I actually, don't think I'm that busy of a person. So, you know, and what part of that is I've become less and less concerned about being productive. I think, uh, you know, I've, I've, so I hate like having a packed calendar. Uh, I mean, like t- today's mm-hmm. one of those days where I, I do have some back-to-back meetings, but you know, generally I, I like to keep things open um, yep. and flexible. So, you know, if I need to, I can, um, you know, uh, read an article in the middle of the day and just kind of think about it for, mm-hmm. you know, half an hour or so. And, and, you know, it, it's, I rather, um, I think, you know, just productivity, you know, one of the concepts obviously that uh, has been a big impact on me is like the 80, 20 rule of, you know, just thinking about these high leverage, you know, 20% um, kind of actions or activities that can, you know, produce 80% of the results. Right. And, and I think uh, that has made me um, uh, refocus my energies on creating the conditions where 
the 20% can happen. Um, and so uh, part of that uh, means embracing really good habits, uh, or at least, you know, just continue to improve the habits that I have. So, you know, I have a few basic activities I try to do, uh, do daily um, and, and keep it simple. So uh, part of that is, you know, just even like doing uh, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of mobility exercises every mm-hmm. morning and when I wake mm-hmm. up. So, you know, make sure I like you know, roll my back with a lacrosse ball and like doing all these stretches and stuff because I know that's going to keep my body um, nice and spry for, you know, sitting uh, for hours or just, you know, making sure I feel, feel fresh. And then, and then there's other things like uh, you know, making sure I have time to read, um, you know, in the morning or in the evenings as well, because just to, you know, expose myself to, to different concepts and new yep. books. Um, and then also, uh, I think, I think my newsletter um, is one of those things that I just want to make sure I do all the time because it gives me um, some purpose to, you know, read more uh, carefully, um, you know, just pay attention to what I consume um, in terms of content, because, you know, I'm the, ultimately a lot of these things are going to get curated into my newsletter. And so that helps me um, feel like, uh, you know, I don't need to keep myself busy, but I'm, I'm doing things with intention. Um, and then, and then beyond that, just making sure I'm prepared for meetings and, you know, keep my inbox to zero, at least a few times a week. Cause like, uh, as long as I have those things out of the way, um, like everything else, you know, just open time uh, to, to think and make some, you know, one or two decisions that might be impactful. And then, uh, and then just, you know, not, yeah, not having to do like output is not so much of an issue or, or something that I try to uh, care too much about. So I, I would love to know what you'd be doing if you weren't running barrel. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's definitely just running some other kind of business. Um, it'd be, my own thing. And, and, you know, whether that's another type of, uh, you know, professional services firm, um, which, you know, which I do really enjoy, um, or just a, a product, you know, some kind of tech company or whatever. I, th- I think, you know, I can, uh, you know, actually when I take a step back to think about what, what do I really enjoy at the core of it all? It's, um, it, it's, you know, bringing um, groups of people together um, and, you know, aligning them um, towards a common goal and, you know, uh, creating the conditions where you know, they can do really great work. Um, and so I think that transfers to, you know, just about anything in terms of, uh, you know, in, in this, uh, you know, kind of capitalist society. And I suppose taking, we've done a lot of, uh, retrospective, <laughs> um, uh, uh, discussion here and, um, I would love to sort of go forward a little bit and sort of, understand you know what does barrel look like in 2023 sure <clears throat> um so we do have a five-year plan um that <laughs> we recently shared with the team even uh, better I, I think, <laughs> yeah you know i think by 2023 um you know we've continued to grow our revenue and profit uh hopefully you know at least 2x by then um the other piece is you know we've gone super uh deep um into the expertise of serving brands who are trying to scale their direct-to-consumer efforts. Uh, we've uh, expanded our services offering so that we're working you know, with brands in different ways. Um, uh, and then also just the talent aspect, we've continued to attract you know, top flight uh, folks to our team, yeah. um, especially in the leadership ranks. And you know, uh, super, you know, it's been super exciting to see the caliber of talent we've been bringing on. Um, uh, you know, in the past year. And, and I think it's only going to, you know, continue to uh, get better. So I, I just, you know, I imagine in, in 
in a few years, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, something that, you know, even is even beyond my uh, imagination or expectations. We're coming up to the kind of 45 minute mark. So I want to pose an incredibly important question to you. You're, you're a basketball player, right? <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love basketball. Um, a fan as well. So yeah. Good. Okay. Favorite team and player from the nineties. Yeah, this is easy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I grew up, I, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, uh, but my team were the New York Knicks. Um, and this nice. was, the, you know, this is the nineties, um, yeah. early nineties, uh, where, you know, the, the tough Knicks, you know, that were going toe to toe with the, 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 uh, Jordan's bulls. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, John Starks has to be my favorite player. Cause you know, he was the underdog. He was the, is a guy that was, you know, tough, but also always knocked around and, you know, he's just like such a uh, volatile and uh, you know, streaky player too. Like some nights he's going to shoot, you know, three, four, 30. And then other nights he's going to be, you know, like 15 or 15 or something. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was maddening to watch because, you know, like you didn't know what version of him would show up. Uh, but when he turned it on, it was awesome. And I remember, you know, I mean, I don't think any Knicks fan will forget the time uh, Starks, uh, you know, in the playoffs dunked on Jordan and Horace Grant. Uh, this is in 93. Um, and yeah, that was just, probably one of the most exciting moments you know, <laughs> um, growing up or yeah, I just could, could, could not, um, I, I think I might've even like, uh, cut out the, the photo of him doing the dunk, you know, out of the New York times and just hung it on my wall because that was just such a huge moment. Wow. Um, I remember, uh, I was a big bulls fan and obviously the Jordan Jersey was the number one thing to have, right? 23 bulls. And uh, my mom went to get it for me, but they'd sold out. Uh, and the only one left was Scotty Pippen. So I was the only one at school with 33 instead of 23. And uh, yeah, never lived it down. Ah, well, but you know, in hindsight, like Pippen was a player, you know, that was uh, hinting exactly. at what's to come. The, exactly. The, the tall, exactly. I mean, point guard. Yeah. That's the, so anyway, I think you were ahead of your time. <laughs> there we go. Um, mate, I think that's a great place to, to end the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, mate. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. There you go. Massive thank you to Peter for joining me. You can check them out at barrelny.com or go check out his website, peterkang.com. Before I go, a quick word from my sponsor, Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at klaviyo.com slash your basket is empty. As always, if you like the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all your agency mates to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time.